0: Hey, welcome to The Crossing. So good to see you here today. Today is an exciting day for us because this is our Reach Sunday. Once a year, we try to shine a light on our local and global partnerships to let you know what God is using us to do throughout the world. And you may not know this, but we have 46 partnerships both locally and globally. And so you are giving to them, you're helping to support them and to fund them, and many of our local partners are here today, and here's what our hope is, is that you'll be able to go out there after the service, that you'll fall in love with one of them, and you'll want to get involved with what they're doing. And in addition to that, we are launching our global mission trips. We are uh, doing 22 global trips to 18 different countries this year, and we want to get you out of the country. We want you to be a part of what God is using us to do around the world. And uh, excuse me, I'm going to try to make it through today. I'm not feeling 100%. But maybe when you came in, you saw the house that we're building out there. That is the identical house that we build in Mexico. And let me tell you, there is nothing like giving the keys of a home to a family who's been living in a cardboard home. And they have their first home. There is nothing like. Like that. So here's my ask. My ask is don't leave early today. Come and engage and be a part of of this whole uh, missions emphasis that we're doing out here and just learn about how God is using us and how you can be involved. This is also the weekend that we are celebrating the life of Martin Luther King Jr. It was over 50 years ago that Martin Luther King Jr. stood outside the steps there at the Lincoln Memorial and he uttered those unforgettable words, I have a dream. The backstory of that is that was not actually the speech he was going to give that day, but as he was walking up, one of the gospel singers on stage said, tell him the dream, Martin. And he got up there and he began to share those words that we still talk about 50 years later. And the reason that we talk about him is it wasn't just his dream. It's God's dream. This is God's dream from the beginning. And one of the things that I love about the crossing is that this church is becoming more and more of this diverse community of believers that not only reflects our community, but I believe reflects the heart of God. So it's good for us to remember and to celebrate that this weekend. Well, we're in week three of our series called You Asked For It, that we begin to... to put out this survey if you could ask God anything what would you ask him and we've compiled the top five and we are counting them down and today we are at the third most requested question which is are we living in the end times now I've actually been praying that Jesus would return before the service today (laughs) so that I wouldn't get any of this wrong Now, I've been a pastor for over 25 years, and I think I can sum up most of the questions that I get from people into three categories, sex, the end times, and will there be sex in the end times? (laughs) When we begin to look at this, we go, are we living in the end times because we see all of the horrible things that are happening around us? We see the natural disasters that are happening. We see the terrorist attacks that, are, that have happened in Paris and around the world. We see the rise of ISIS. We have these terrible diseases like the Ebola virus. We begin to see all of these things, the murder of Christians that are happening around the world, the refugee crisis that's happening in Syria. And we just ask this question, are we living in the end times? So what does the Bible say about this? This is a question that even Jesus' disciples asked him. Here's what it says in Matthew 24. It says, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus oftentimes would go spend time in prayer at the Mount of Olives, and he's there by himself. And the disciples come up, and they're like, Jesus, we want some insider information. We we want you to tell us what is going to be the sign of your coming. And today, I want to get to the heart of what I think is really behind this question. And the question is, what time is it? Because if we look at this clock right now, and we go, is is this the sign of the end of the age? I mean, are we, are we at the end? Because if it's, if it's this right here, then we're going to live a certain way. But if we feel like, well, I've got some more time, then that causes us to live an entirely different way. So if you're asking, are we living in the end times? My most honest answer that I can give you today is, I don't really know. But we could be. From my perspective, as best as I understand the Bible, it seems to me that the signs of Scripture are all fulfilled, that if, that if God wants to send Jesus back, that it's ready to happen at any time. But I would say that with one asterisk. Every generation throughout history has thought that. In 1844, there was a guy by the name of William Miller, And he thought that he had cracked the code, and he said that Jesus was coming back on October 22nd. So 100,000 people quit their jobs, 1844, 100,000 people quit their jobs. They gave away all of their possessions, and they stood on a hillside waiting for Jesus to return. And October 22nd, 1844, it it came and went, and Jesus did not come back. Maybe you remember in the 80s, there was an engineer from NASA, a retired engineer, who was convinced that Jesus was coming back in 1988. And so he wrote a book, 88 Reasons, While Jesus is Coming Back, While the Rapture is Going to Happen in 1988. Well, the book sold four and a half million copies. I mean, people were really caught up in all of this, and amazingly... 1988 came and went and Jesus did not come back and maybe even more amazingly in 1989 the book sold another 30,000 copies. <laughs> maybe you remember Y2K? Y2K, as we, we entered into this new millennium, and people said this was going to be the end of the world, that the computers were going to reset, and it was going to be catastrophic. And Y2K came and went, and there was like one guy in Barstow whose PC crashed. And that was it. Just big non-events. It happens all the time. In 2012, it was the Mayan calendar. Last year, it was somebody else. Well, here's what Jesus says in Matthew 24. Jesus says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. And I take it when Jesus says that no one knows, that no one knows. Don't you think that God would tell Jesus before he told you or some other prophet? In fact, whenever somebody has some date that they come out and they say, this is when Jesus comes back, I know for certain it's not going to be that date. Because Jesus has said that nobody is going to know the time. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Because in a minute, we're going to dive into what Peter says that we begin to see these indications of the end days and what we are to do about it. But when I study Scripture, there are some unique things about our generation that is different from every other generation before. And you begin to ask the question, are there any signs Are there signs out there? Some people believe that the things that are happening in Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. So let me share three of those with you. The first is this. It's the regathering of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Jeremiah 16 and Isaiah 11 indicate that God will restore and regather the Jewish people to the land that he gave their forefathers. And we see this happening. In 1900, there was 40,000 Jews who lived in Palestine. After World War II, there was about a half a million. Today, there are over 6.3 million Jews living in the land, and they have come from everywhere. They've come from Europe, and they've come from Russia. They've come from America. They've come from Ethiopia. In fact, I was reading an article on Friday that the, the immigration of the Jewish people from Western Europe to Israel in this last year in 2015 was the highest number who have ever immigrated to Israel ever in history. So we begin to see the regathering of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. That's the first thing. The second indication is the reclamation of the land of Israel. Over the centuries, the land of Israel has become desolate, barren, and destroyed. In 1900, there was 17,000 trees left in Israel. And you're like, well, how do we know how many trees there were? Well, the Turks controlled Israel, and they taxed the people based on the number of trees that they had. And so people had this tax-cutting strategy. We just cut down the trees, and we get rid of them. So there was 17,000 trees left in 1900. Today, there are over 450 million trees in Israel. Ezekiel 36 says, they will say this land that was laid waste has become like the garden of Eden. See, first we see the regathering of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Second, we see the reclamation of the, the land of Israel. And a third indicator is the rebirth of Israel as a nation in 1948. Ezekiel 37 prophesies that God will raise these dry bones again, and he says, I will bring you back to the land of Israel. It was in 70 AD, was the destruction of Jerusalem, that the Romans came in and they leveled, they leveled Israel, and that's the way it stayed for the next 18 centuries. And then on May 14th, 1948, three years after World War II and the Holocaust. Israel became a nation again, and those dry bones resurrected 1,900 years later. So, are we in the end times? So is, is this the end? Do we find ourselves going, do we see all the signs that point that this could be it? Well, Maybe. There's a lot of different opinions when it comes to this. But the Apostle Peter addresses this as well. The Apostle Peter addresses all of these signs that we begin to look for. And this is what he says in 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 3. He says this. He says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Peter says, do you want to know how you can recognize the last days? is that people are going to come along, and they're going to scoff at the notion of God. They're going to scoff at the notion of God being above us, and they're going to say, you know what, you don't need to listen to that. You, just, you can live however you want. If it feels good, do it. That's all right. You don't need to pay attention to God because that's outdated. You don't need to pay attention to the Bible because it doesn't matter anymore. He says you will recognize all of these things, and he says they will say, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has been since the beginning of creation. The scoffers are going to come out and they'll go, where is this coming? I mean, you've talked about this for 2,000 years, that Jesus is going to come back. And I don't see anything. I don't see any signs. The sun came up today. It's going to rise tonight. And the same thing is going to happen tomorrow. It says in verse 5, but they deliberately forget... That long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water, and by water. But these waters also, the world at the time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present, um, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. That God spoke the world into being. God picked a day and said, let there be light. And there was light. And he formed the earth out of water. And then on another day, God said that he was going to start over. And he was going to destroy the earth with that same water. That's Noah's story. Peter says next time that God destroys the the earth, it's not going to be with water. We have the rainbow. That's God's promise that it won't happen again by water. He says this time it will be with fire. And on judgment day, God will destroy the world with fire and the ungodly will face destruction. And we hear that and we go, well, that doesn't sound very much like Jesus loves me. God is a God of love. But God is also a God of justice. And someday judgment is gonna come. And someday God will judge the ungodly. Peter says that they will be destroyed. But Peter goes on to, to indicate, he's like, hold on though. Hold on, because I want to remind you, Peter says, of, of God's heart for people. In verse 9, it says, Excuse me, in verse 8 it says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. See, God is not confined to time and space like we are. We measure everything by time, a beginning and an end. Well, God does not keep track of time. God is not confined by time. To God, a year is like a, thou- a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. But the reason that God is taking so long is He doesn't want anyone to perish. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, there are some opposing views on this verse right here. But the way that I read it, the way that I read it is that God is not wanting anyone to perish. That he wants everyone to come to repentance. That is why we do what we do to try to reach people. That God is patient. In other words, God's patience means salvation for people who are coming to Jesus. And there's days for me, maybe you have days like this. There's days for me where I'm just like, Jesus comes soon. But not too soon. Because I have some friends that I want to reach for Jesus Christ. That I want you to come back, but I want the people who I love in my life to have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. Verse 10, it says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. How does a thief come? You know, the thief doesn't usually call you up the night before and says, hey, I'm going to come at 1 a.m., If you could have your money and your jewelry jewelry all set out, you know, I won't be long. I'll just come and take it all, and I'll be gone. See, we don't ever know when the thief comes. He says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Peter tells us at the end times. That we'll begin to recognize it because there's going to be a lot of people who scoff and forget God. That Jesus' return, it is going to be unknown. And when Jesus returns, he's going to bring justice. That there will be a day of judgment where God will make everything right. And he will destroy the earth and those who are ungodly will be destroyed with it. So are you okay? Okay. Maybe you just need to take a deep breath here for a minute. Just breathe in and breathe out. Are we here? I don't know. I don't know whether we are or not. And maybe your question is, maybe your question is, is this generation pulling away from God? What is happening around the world? Well, I'm happy to report that the gospel is growing rapidly around the world. I shared a couple weeks ago that in China, that 35,000 people will come to faith in Jesus Christ today in every single day in China. It is now estimated that of their population of 1.3 billion people, it's now estimated that 9.8% of people in China now are serving Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Pretty amazing. Which may mean there may be more followers of Jesus in China than there are in the United States. Now, in America, some say it's declining and flatlining. It's actually growing in churches like The Crossing and others like this, where people are coming to Jesus at an amazing rate. But we know what's happening around our country. I mean, there's churches that are dying every single day, and people are pulling away from Jesus, pulling away from those values. And our country is more polarized today than it ever has been before. I ran across some statistics that ought to be a wake-up call for us. If you look at the builder generation, the builder generation was born 1927 through 1945. This is the era that my parents and my grandparents were born. That 65% were Bible-driven Jesus followers. In other words, they let their life be dictated by the bible that what the bible said is how they drove the values of their life now the boomer generation boomer generation born 1946 to 1964 many of you were born in this generation right here many of our leaders here in the united states are of this generation 35% are bible driven jesus followers now the gen x generation born 1965 to 1983 this is my generation this is the generation i was born in i barely made it in but i made it in this generation 16 <laughs> percent are bible-driven followers of jesus do you see a pattern that's beginning to happen here the millennials born 1984 to 2004 four percent are bible-driven followers of jesus This is why we are driven to reaching and training the next generation for Jesus Christ. This is why we are committed to our ministries like Kids Crossing. We'll have 900 kids today in Kids Crossing. This is why we are investing in this generation. This is why we love our student ministry, our junior high and high school, our fusion ministry. Do we have any junior high and high schoolers in here right now? Any of them? Awesome. This is why we are investing in this generation. This is why we are committed to our Forge Young Adult Ministry. This is why we do services the way that we do, with the music and the lights and the video. And you say, well, you guys do stuff I don't even like. Well, get over it. We're trying to reach a generation for Jesus Christ. I think when we are as serious about reaching this generation for Jesus Christ, it begins to change the way that we think. It begins to change where our heart um, is drawn towards. But Shane, you know, are we going to open up the book of Revelation and get at all of our charts and try to figure it out? Hey, listen, if you like to have fun predicting and forecasting, if you like to read books about blood moons and computer chips, that's fine. Just make sure you write it in pencil because it seems to always change. There's a lot of different views about the end times. You might be in the camp where you're a pre-millennialist, or maybe you are a post-millennial person, or maybe you are all-millennial. My daughter Taylor, a few weeks ago in class, they were talking about the end times views and she raised her hand and she said to her professor, she says, I'm pan-millennial. He goes, pan-millennial? She goes, yeah, it's just all gonna pan out in the end. <laughs> That's kind of where I find myself. I'm just a pan, it's all going to pan out. God's going to do what God's going to do. Here's what we need to understand. Here's what we need to understand. Whether or not we're living in the last days, you're living in your last days. Whether or not we are in the end times or not, you are in your end times. So how do we respond? How do we live in this generation and how do we live in this country and how do we live in these times if we know that this is our last times? Well, Peter addresses that. And he says this in verse 11. He says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Peter says when we look at all of the signs and we see them all lining up, he says, what does this mean for you? Peter says what this means for you is that we live holy and godly lives, that it's time for us us to get rid of some of that stuff that used to be in our life. It's time for us to be people of God, that people around us can see that we belong to Jesus, that we live these holy and godly lives. Jesus' words to us, are you be ready You just be ready. Can I tell you, I think we live in one of the greatest times to be alive in human history. The population of the earth is exploding. In fact, more people have come to faith in Jesus Christ in the last 10 years on this planet than in the previous 2,000 years combined. Now, I don't think you heard me because you would have thought that was pretty cool had you actually heard what I said. More people have come to faith in Jesus in the last 10 years than in the previous 2,000 years combined. It's amazing. We have one of the greatest opportunities in history to reach the world for Christ. We have one of the greatest opportunities. And I'm telling you, we are living in the greatest generation the opportunities that we have to share the message of Jesus. This is why we dream about reaching our valley for Jesus Christ. This is why we invest in churches and church plants and campuses for us. This is why we want a small group in every single neighborhood, and we want you to be in a small group. And this is why we send people around the globe in missions, as we just feel like this is our time. And we feel like God is going to do what God's going to do, and it's going to be through us. So the real question isn't what time is it. I mean, we can look at it and go, are we here? Are we here? You want to know what the real question is? What are you going to do with your time? This is the real question that matters. Not what time is it. What are you going to do with your time? In James chapter 4, James chapter 4, this is what James writes. He says, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You don't even know life is short. Life is short, so what are you going to do with your time? Here's what Peter writes. Peter ends like this. He says, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by the fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, that as long as Jesus doesn't come, it means salvation for our friends and for our family, for our country, for our world. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawlessness and the fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Listen, we cannot forget. We cannot forget. We are not saved by our view of the end times. We're saved by Jesus. We're saved by Jesus. And we're going to do all we can, serve all we can, give all we can, pray all we can, Because God has sent us here to make a difference and we have more time to reach people. So I want to pray and I want us to pray together. But maybe for you, maybe the question for you, maybe the prayer for you is what are you going to do with your time? How are you going to invest your one and only life into what God is calling you to do? For some of you, You're not a follower of Jesus. And here's what I would say to you the Bible says today is the day of salvation, that there is no better time for you to surrender your life to Jesus. Some of you, you've carried around the guilt and the shame of your mistakes for years. And Jesus offers you forgiveness, Jesus offers you a new beginning that you're saved by Jesus, by what he has done for you. And maybe today, for some of you, today will be the day that you'll finally surrender to Jesus. God, we thank you for, for your word, the reminder for us that there will be a day where Jesus will come back and he will judge this world. But for us, our call is to live godly lives And so, God, we pledge that again, and we pledge that here. Use us. God, help us to take what time we have to invest it in people who need the hope of Christ. And, God, for those who are ready to take a first step with Jesus, that today would be their day. God, I pray that you would meet them right where they are.